So this morning we are going to be back in uh, the book of Jonah and it's been a while since we uh, have been studying Jonah with the holidays, with Christmas. Um, and so I want to take a minute and just interact with each other and for us to remember what is the book of Jonah about. So I'm asking you, what's the book of Jonah about? We've made it through the first chapter. Tell me what it's about. Grace. Grace says, escaping from God's purpose for your life. Anybody else? That's my... God's going to pursue you even though you run away. Anybody else? Now be honest with me. When I first said that, what did you first think of? Mark says, a giant fish. Okay, I asked Trey and Adar this morning on the way over, What's Jonah about? And Adar says, It's about a fish, it's about a fish, a big fish. And I would guess that many of you, you're on your best behavior and you might have actually been listening to what I say, that it's not about a fish, so you were scared to say that it's about a fish, but... Most of us have been taught or grew up or have some knowledge about Jonah and the first thing we think about is a fish, a big giant fish. But I want you to know that I have preached six times in the book of Jonah and I haven't spoken of the fish. Okay? We've made it all the way to the end of the first chapter, the last verse of the first chapter before the fish was mentioned. And I intentionally decided not to talk about the fish until the scripture talks about the fish. And then when the scripture talks about the fish, I'm going to talk about the fish. And when the scripture stops talking about the fish, I'll stop talking about the fish. Everybody with me? Because our culture and the church culture, right, has made Jonah essentially a children's story. And we've made it a fish story, a big fish story. And I grew up in Georgia. So my granddaddy took me fishing. So I know all about how to tell a big fish story. Okay? The fish is always bigger than the fish you caught when you go home and tell mama and grandmommy about it. Okay? It's always bigger. And then over the years, you talk about that time when we went fishing, the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you explain to everyone the width and the breadth and the size of this fish you caught. And it wasn't about fishing, it wasn't about who you were with, it becomes all about the size of the fish. I don't want this to be a children's story and I don't want this 
Jonah to be a fish story. No que este it's se, neither. And I'm certain that we don't have the same perspective now about the fish as the original, ancient, biblical audience had when they first heard this story, when they first heard this narrative. So as we come to the end of chapter 1 and we move into chapter 2, the scriptures talk about the fish. So we're going to talk about the fish. But I want to talk about the fish in its biblical context. How the author communicates it, how the original audience would have heard it, that we might have that same perspective. And not the perspective of a children's story, not the perspective of a fish story. So I'm going to read right now every passage that mentions the fish in the book of Jonah. There are three verses. Okay? Three verses, and I would tell you that it's at the end of chapter 1 in most of our Bibles, but some translations, they actually start chapter 2 when the fish is mentioned. Okay, And in the NIV, as we walk through this, or the NVI, it, it, it starts, it ends chapter 1 with the fish and then continues with it. And all that means is, we got all the way through the first chapter and now the fish enters the story. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And then at the end of chapter 2, verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Three verses that the fish is mentioned. In verse 17 of chapter 1, Jonah, I mean, the Lord appoints this fish to swallow Jonah. And then in verse 1 of chapter 2, inside the fish is where Jonah prays and talks to God. And then at the end of chapter 2, verse 10, the Lord commands the fish to vomit Jonah out. It's not spit or spew, it's vomit. Okay? That's the word there. Vomit. Okay? To, to, okay? That's the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is okay? Like, it sounds like what it means. Well, let's not get stuck there, okay? But it's a really cool thing, okay? So I want us now to start from a broad context, okay, a, a wide perspective, and move into a more narrow perspective of Jonah, and then even more specifically, uh, a perspective and an understanding of the fish, so that we can see the fish accurately, 
And we can put the fish in its place and then we can make application that's appropriate, that's biblical, that is as the original author intended. Okay, big context. Jonah's context and then the specific context of the fish. Everybody with me? All right. So, biblical context. Jonah is a unique book. We've said this before. It is not the words of God through the prophet, but it's the words of God about the prophet. Jonah is a story. It is a narrative about a prophet, not a prophet speaking the words of God. But Jonah is a prophet. He's a prophet of God. He was a historical figure. And in this specific story, this specific narrative of Jonah occurs in the time frame and within the context of the scriptures as a part of the prophets. It's amongst the prophets in God's big story, in God's story, in His great story is where it falls. So what do we know about the prophets? As I said, they're part of a bigger story. Within that story, Israel had been saved by God from Egypt. They had been brought into this covenant relationship with God. God had given them His commandments, how they were to live, and He brings them into the promised land. And as He brings them into the promised land, how do the Israelites do obeying God's direction, obeying His words, obeying His commands? How do they do? Thank you. I got the thumbs down with the... Right. That's very appropriate. That's very. That's a great biblical answer. Because that's how they did. They come in, they abandon God, they turn from God, they disobey God. And their sin leads to greater sin and greater injustice. And this is the point where the prophets come into the story. Okay, the big context. Now we see the point where the prophets come into the story and the prophets are speaking to Israel on behalf of God and they are accusing Israel of their sin. And the prophets are warning them that if you do not deal with your sin, if you don't turn from your sin, you will suffer the consequences. There will be consequences to your decisions. There will be consequences to your actions. There will be consequences to your attitudes as you abandon God and remove yourself from God and disobey God. And the prophets were speaking this to God's people. They would be destroyed. That would be the ultimate consequence. They would be exiled to Babylon. They would be captured and removed. But in the end, even though they were faithless, God was faithful. And He communicates that He'll continue His relationship with His people. And He'll provide a way for rescue. 
and he'll provide a way for restoration. Okay? This was the message of the prophets. If you don't deal with your sin, there's going to be consequences, there's going to be destruction, you're going to be removed, you're going to be exiled, but God is good, God is faithful, even when you're faithless, and he will bring us back. He will rescue us. And so I just want to show this on the board. And I apologize. But I had eight kids this weekend. And I forgot to draw this before the sermon. And so... Oh, hold on. Okay. Okay. And I... I'm, should I try to do it in Spanish? All right, all right. Okay. Here are the prophets. Profetas. Accent there? No accent? Okay, thank you, Grace. I, I, I'm tuning all y'all. I'm just listening to Grace, okay? She's, she'll correct my grammar and my accents. Okay? Now, the prophets, as I said, would speak three things. They would speak about Israel's sin. Pecado. Okay. They would speak about Israel's destruction or exile. Destruction. Okay. Same thing, right? Two C's and what? Two C's and an accent on the O. Destruction. Oh, okay, okay. Hold on. We are bilingual. That doesn't mean I'm bilingual. Okay. And then lastly, I'll draw it down here, would be their, their rescue or restoration. Y la restauración. Rescato. Y what? Rescate. Rescate. Restauración. You see that on the boat? Right, I know that one. Is there an accent there? I just like to put the accents. No? Over the O? Sobre la O. There? All right. So this is a diagram, not a very good diagram. It's an on-the-spot diagram. Here are the prophets speaking to Israel. They would speak about their sin, as I spoke of, right? You've got to turn from your ways. You've got to listen to God. You've got to deal with your sin. If you don't, there will be destruction. You will be sent into exile. But, as it continues on, ultimately, even though you were faithless, God is faithful, and there will be rescue, there will be restoration. Okay? Now, what about the fish? I gave you the context of God's story, where the prophets fit in the story, what's the general theme or plot line of the prophets, what are they saying, what are they repeating to Israel? 
Will this connect to the fish? Esto va a con el pez? Yes. All right. I want to see and look at some of the prophets and see how they repeatedly reference and describe the capture, the exile, the destruction of Israel. So as I read right now, we're going to be reading from the prophets and we're going to be focusing on how they describe this portion of their message. The second portion. So, Hosea, which was one of the first prophets. Hosea chapter 8, verse 2 through 4. I'll read it first in English and then Nidia in Spanish. It says, Israel cries out to me. Our They set up kings without my consent. They chose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. So with Jonah in your mind, okay, with this story, with this picture of Jonah, did Jonah acknowledge God in chapter 1? He says, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a Hebrew of the God who made the land and the sea. Like, I, I serve Him. I worship Him. He acknowledged God. But look at the next. But Israel, now think about Jonah, but he rejected what is good. But Jonah says, but I'm not following Him. I'm not going to obey Him. Right? He never says that, but he does that with his actions as he continues to run and run and run from God. An enemy will pursue him. Was God pursuing Jonah? Was God was Jonah being pursued throughout chapter one? God came after him. He pursued him in a storm. He was relentless in coming for him. And then in verse four, it sets it gives some examples of Israel and what they did and how they continued to disobey. And this disobedience. What would the result be? What would the consequence be? Their own destruction. Then further down in Hosea, chapter 8, verse 8, it says, Israel is swallowed up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like some something no one Wants. I'm just trying to give you perspective. I'm trying to give you context. This Hosea, this is a prophet that had spoken to God's people that they had heard, that they had read before they heard the story of Jonah. You can see how Jonah connects with verse 1 through 4. And then here in verse 8, Israel is swallowed up. You, you didn't repent. You didn't turn back. You continue to be disobedient. And they were swallowed up. Do you know anyone else that was swallowed up? Jonah. Okay. Now, let me give you a more specific one. Jeremiah 51. Another prophet. Okay, speaking to God's people. Again, describing their disobedience, describing the consequence of their sin. They've been exiled. They've been sent off. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, that's where they were exiled. 
has devoured us. He has thrown us into confusion. He has made us an empty jar. Like a serpent, he has swallowed us and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then he spewed us out. Do you guys see any similarities? In your exile, as you continued in disobedience, this serpent has swallowed us up, he's filled his stomach with our delicacies, and then he has spewed us out. A similar story. Similar words. As we look at this context of the prophets, and it seems that the story of Jonah is a real life illustration that gives flesh to all of these images that the prophets had spoken about. It, it brings to life what the prophets had been communicating and what they had been warning Israel about. They were speaking all these words, sharing what would happen, describing it, giving all these images so they could understand you're going to be swallowed up, you're going to be spewed out, you're going to be destroyed. And then Jonah is not words from the prophet, but a story about the prophet. And what the prophets had spoken about actually occurs to Jonah as a real-life illustration right before them. It's like God is preaching a sermon. He's spoken these words, he's shared these words, and he's like, now let me give you an illustration to bring it home to you. Let me just tell you about what will happen. Let me describe a specific situation where this occurred amongst you. Because what I say is true. I'm not just speaking to speak. I am speaking these words as a warning to you, my family, to Israel. Because this being swallowed up was a regular metaphor, a regular um, description that described the destruction for a rebellious and a faithless Israel. And the original readers of this story would have seen their own stories lived out through Jonah. They would have been confronted with their own sin, with their own faithlessness, and the coming consequences, the coming suffering as a result. And now we have a fish that swallows up a prophet after God has been pursuing him. And even as it's spoken of, then later the fish vomits him out. There's consequence, but then God restores at the end of chapter 2. And that brings us back to the original purpose of the story. That we would learn about God's character, we would learn about His actions, and that we would learn about ourselves. That's the purpose for reading Jonah. Can we hear this story and see ourselves in Jonah? see ourselves in his situation even when the situation is bizarre okay and he is swallowed up by a fish 
I don't know anyone here that's been swallowed up by a fish. I don't know that anyone here will ever be swallowed up by a fish. Okay? But Jonah was an illustration of the words that the prophets have been speaking that if you continue in sin, if you continue down this path, you will have consequences. You will be swallowed up. Your sin ultimately will get you. You might go further and further and run further and further from God, but ultimately your sin will engulf you. If you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. You're choosing consequences. And I don't mean that if you live a righteous life, you will have no suffering. Okay? That's not what God's Word says. It's not what's communicated. But if you choose to sin and you run from God and you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, but you don't follow Him, ultimately that's going to catch up with you. Ultimately you're going to be, in a way, destroyed. There's going to be destruction in your life. And I'm not talking about, and this is not speaking of someone who does not know God and someone who is sinning out in the world. This is talking about Jonah, a prophet who knew God, who had heard from God, who was religious, and yet he still chose to continue to sin knowing there was consequences. Can you see yourself in Jonah? as we watch him swallowed up by a fish. This is an illustration for us. For our lives. For us to stop and for us to consider what it is that we are proclaiming and what it is that we are doing. And is there a disconnect and what we claim about Jesus Christ, that He is my Lord and Savior, is that what my life demonstrates? Or will I continue serving myself, proclaiming Him as Lord, but being my own Lord, and just knowing and waiting for destruction? to be swallowed up. Because that's a reality for us as God's family. It was a reality for them as Israel. They were God's family, God's children. It is a reality for us, the church. Okay? We are God's family, God's children. His people. He has spoken to us. We are like Jonah. And we have to consider that. Both personally and collectively, as individuals and as a body, we need to see ourselves in this story. Where are we? Where have we been in this story? Are we at this place where we're in our sin but the destruction hasn't come? Are you in a place where you've been continuing in sin and you're experiencing this destruction? Are you in a place where like, well, God has brought me through. Where are you going to continue following? Or are you going to come back here to sin? We're somewhere in there. And we have to see ourselves in the story. We cannot outrun God. 
You cannot outrun God. I cannot outrun God. If we choose to sin and continue to sin, we are choosing to suffer more. That's the reality. That's what's being communicated. But, 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 okay? But, the story is not over, okay? When you read chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, verse 17, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Lights out, it's over! That should have been the end of the story. Our story should end right here in destruction. But the story continues. Something happens from inside the fish. What should be death in verse 17 actually ends up resulting in life. Chapter 2, verse 10. It was this for sure death, but at the end, you see Jonah is spit up onto dry land. He's vomited. He should have died, but he is alive. What appeared like defeat results in victory. Does anyone smell the gospel? Can you see the gospel in this? Can you see this, this death, this death that was for sure, this death of three days and three nights in the grave, and yet there was life on the other side. There was destruction for Jesus Christ because of us, but there was life for us on the other side. God brought him through to the other side. God wants to bring us through to the other side. The story's not over. We need to figure out what happens in chapter 2. What actually happens inside when Jonah prays what we'll see next week is this detailed, beautiful, amazing Hebrew poetry. But what happens to Jonah? What happens between being swallowed up and being spit out? It appears that he got exactly what he deserved. But this fish is actually an incredible mercy from God. God doesn't give him what he deserves. God is faithful. God won't stop pursuing him. And then God rescues Jonah, giving him an amazing grace, what he didn't deserve. He gives him life. And so next week, that's what we'll consider. We'll see what happens inside the fish. But I want us to see the fish correctly, according to the Scripture, according to the context of Scripture, not according to what you learned in Sunday school or what you saw on a children's video. That's all it says about the fish. And I promise you that Jonah 
is not a how-to book about what to do when you're swallowed up in the middle of a fish and how to compose Hebrew poetry when you're inside of a fish. Okay? That's not the point of Jonah. It's not a how-to book. We're supposed to see ourselves in this story. It's an illustration for us. And I don't want us to go away today and, and deny that we are part of this story and that we're somewhere in that diagram. So as we close, I just want to give us a moment. A moment of quietness. A moment with the Lord. A moment to stop running. A moment to come to Him. To hear from Him. To respond to Him. Maybe you need to acknowledge your sin. Maybe you need to acknowledge you're running from God. I don't trust God right now. I'm doing this, whatever it is that is in front of me, I'm doing it on my own. And I won't let go of myself. I won't trust Him. Or I'm just complete out rejecting Him. Maybe you're in the middle of the destruction. Maybe things are falling apart. Maybe things have closed in on you as a result of your running from God. I'll give you a hint. Then you need to repent. You need to turn and look back to God. And He'll meet you there. You don't have to run back to Him. You just have to turn to Him. You just have to put your gaze towards Him. And He will run towards you. He is pursuing you in grace. And He will bring us out the other side. It's for sure. It's a promise. We have that promise in Jesus Christ. If we share in His death, we also share in His resurrection. Through His destruction, we can have life. Through His destruction, we can be restored. So let me be quiet. And let's give us ourselves a moment of quietness before our King. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we cannot escape the truth of your word. I thank you that this book, this story of Jonah is not a children's story. It's not a fish story. But is it a story that you want to use so that we could see ourselves accurately? That we could see ourselves in your story and how we have turned from you, how we have run from you. How there's destruction from our sin. There's injustice from our sin. God, help us to see that. Give us eyes to see that both personally and collectively as a body, as a church. And God, thank you 
that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. That it is you who rescue us. It's you who restore us. It's you who give us mercy, not what we deserve. And it's you who rescues us with grace. God, I pray we would be a people who would turn to you. We would keep our eyes on you. We would turn back to you. We would not turn away from you. That we would proclaim that we follow you, Jesus, and you would give us strength and power, Holy Spirit, to do that. Move in us as a people. Change us and transform us. Help us to speak that into each other's lives as we hear from you. Help us not to turn from your word. But let us sit at your feet. Hear your word and listen to your word and respond to it. God, thank you for how you love us. Thank you for how you pursue us. Thank you for how this story is not over. God, give us eyes to see. Give us eyes to see ourselves in this story. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.